The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. CSPN and the WrestleCast present to you Cast of Strong Style with your hosts JPK Moto and Don DeLorente. Hello and welcome to Episode 9 of Cast of Strong Style. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Moto. Hello, Moto. Hey, 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 Don. How are you? I'm fine, Moto. I'm fine. Well, before we get into it, I'm going to start off by asking you, how was your birthday? It was absolutely great. I had a lot of seafood, and I had a great time. Nice, quiet birthday, and uh, enjoyed uh, the G1 Special America. How about you? Uh, I would call gimmick infringement, because that's the same thing that I did on my birthday. The exact same thing. Yes, I had a lot of seafood, and I enjoyed the G1 uh, tournament on Saturday night and on Sunday. I'm just going to say great minds think for themselves and also think alike, and I will leave it at that. There you go. Well, of course, you can always find Castle Strong Style at www.cspn.us. You can also find us at wrestlecast.tumblr.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can also subscribe to us on any app that allows you to subscribe, download, and listen to podcasts on Android and iPhones. Also, follow us on Twitter at CastStrongStyle. Follow me on Twitter at Don DeLorente. And follow Moto on Twitter at JPKMoto. Okay, Moto, so before we get into the G1, we had some championship matches to pay off from Dominion. Some challenges that were made, and we had some championship matches on the Kiza Road, which was leading up to the Long Beach Special. So the six-man Never titles were defended as LIJ, consisting of Bushi, Evil, and Sonata, defeated Taguchi, Juice Robinson, and Kushida. Next, we had the Never Openweight title defense as the Demon himself, Minoru Suzuki, defeated Yoshihashi and his wig. <laughs> that he did. As I said, he would. Yes. But, he put, he put up a, yes, he put up a game effort. Very valiant. And then finally, we had the junior heavyweight title defense of Kishida as he defeated Bushi to retain his junior heavyweight title. Um, Kishida's trying to pull off the Zack Sabre Jr. You know, he's got the ROH TV title and he's got the uh, IWGP junior heavyweight. So he's got the two belt thing going. Needs one um, more to kind of, you know to get the three belts i think that uh i'm telling you that dicky shirt that dicky shirt is giving him that power that the bubble jacket used to oh you think he's he's modernized his uh is his energy source i told you i told you he had to leave the bubble jacket in the past go to 2002 for the dicky shirt and now he's on a roll well yeah because she has big things uh going on for him as we'll talk about him and his involvement in the g1 right now as we're going to go over to night one long beach california July 1st. Happy birthday to me. As (laughs) we start off very hot. Rapungi Vice, Will Ospreay, and the Briscoe Brothers versus the Young Bucks, the villain Marty Squirrel, Yuji Rowe, and Bad Luck Fale. The Young Bucks hit their buckle bomb combo. Then Will Ospreay cuts off the Meltzer Driver. That allows Rocky Romero to hit Matt with a roll-up. And Rapungi Vice, Will Ospreay, and the Briscoe Brothers get the win. 
Woo-woo. I think this is a great start to the G1 Special in America. Um, I really liked um, Osprey Shooting Star Press to the outside, mm-hmm. and everyone um, caught him. Uh, Marty Skrull snapping Jay Briscoe's finger. Um, I also liked when um, Rocky tried to take down Bad Luck Fale, but he just failed because Fale is so big. Um, loving the high knees from the Young Bucks. I really liked this match. It was it was a fun fun way to start to get the crowd riled up. Uh, but I do have a question for you, uh, Don. Who yes, is ma'am. Marty Sherl? Marty Sherl? My, my, no, no, no. Sherl. Oh, was that who Jim Ross described him as? Yes. he. Jim Ross decided to well, call Marty I mean, Sherl Marty Sherl. You just got to let something slide. I mean, you understand the man does kind of have a disability that affects his speech, and some things aren't as clear as they used to be. Uh, no. No, 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 no. That man can say skip, squirrel. He can definitely say squirrel. No, no, no. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Skrull. Marty Skrull. The villain. Or he could have just said the villain. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, we'll talk about the presentation and everything after we finish the reviews of both nights because I'm interested on some of your thoughts about just how it looked. Next oh, you up, have thoughts. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Next up, we have Teton, Dragon Lee, Bolador Jr., and the legend, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Evil, Bushi, Sonata, and... The ticking time bomb. Takahashi. After Evil does his chair spot to Titan, Takahashi hits Titan with the time bomb, and he gets the win. Um, what do you think about the stuffed animal? Okay. <laughs> First of all, his name is Daryl. His name is Daryl Takahashi. Daryl. That's a yes. pretty ethnic name. I'm serious. His his name is Daryl Takahashi. Uh, okay. every tour. You know, I just find that Takahashi just comes up with something different to just make people, you know, you know, raise an eyebrow. And Daryl is this next thing. I actually really love Daryl. I want Daryl. <laughs> I want to buy Daryl. I want Daryl in my house. He is so cute. And uh, I, I love during the Kizuna Road where um, Naito actually did the, the fist bump to, to Daryl. I, I like it. I think it's cute. Um, It might be because... I don't know. He has a thing with cats. I, I don't know. It's, it's Takahashi. That's that's all you can say. It's Takahashi. I, I just like it. Okay. If you like it, I love it. <laughs> Shade. Okay. I'm not crazy. I, I like Daryl. But um, Excellent. I. Okay. <laughs> no, you're not skip, buddy. Gotta Excuse talk about me. the match. I have my opinions too. So anyway, the match was fun. Um, I thought that um, Mexican Bret Hart really didn't do that much in this match, which kind of disappointed me. Teton got the, you know, got a lot and exposed. He was exposed to the American audiences, which was nice. Um, I like the three-way um, drop kick to Teton from Takahashi, Sonata, and Evil, and that that two chair shot that Evil likes to do into the time bomb. That was it. Just another fun match. It was just nice to see. Right, right. I think a lot of people, uh, Moto, who didn't um who aren't used to watching new japan who don't have a uh, new japan world they weren't used to all the multi-man tag matches mm. uh, that was a lot of feedback that i got kind of on both nights kind of like heck what's up with all the tag team matches They're, they they kind of weren't familiar with how they kind of use the tag matches to kind of build to the single events well, I mean, if you are not used to it, yes, it's going to be a little bit jarring to you if you're only used to the WWE style or other promotions in America, but they are a, a really good and useful tool to develop storylines, give um, 
people in the company things to do instead of just, you know, being in the back collecting a check. It involves a lot of people in the company. I like seeing those matches. And over time, you really grow to like them. Of course, some can be a mess, but LIJ, they're probably like the masters of this right now. I love seeing them. And just give it a chance, folks. Give it a chance. And it also it does two things. It saves wear and tear on the guys mm. because they're, you know, not doing as much work. And it's a way to keep the big match that they're building towards fresh. Absolutely. And it's 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 a good thing. I think it's a very good thing and a smart thing for a company to do. Right. So next we have our very first US title tournament match, as we had. The greatest first generation wrestler ever, Jay Lethal versus Hangman Page, the first two contestants in the United States title tournament. Jay Lethal hits two enziguris, and then Jay Lethal follows up with the lethal injection, and he gets the victory to move on to the semifinals. Uh, you know, everybody's seen Jay Lethal. I don't know how familiar people are with Hangman Page. He actually got a chance to show off some really good skills. And I think, you know, kind of the way his weekend turned out, as we'll talk about night two, that, you know, some things might be in the works for him. He might be, you know, uh, on the uptrend. So, you know, good luck for Hangman Page. And uh, you know how I feel about Jay Lethal. Um, I was really pulling for him in this tournament. Wow. You you didn't brag about how you were right. Oh, oh, oh what a relief. Well, as for me... Um, Jay Lethal did, um, well, I mean, you know, the big story was his, his injured ribs and, um, Paige attacked those as, you know, any smart wrestler would. I liked, um, that Jay responded after Paige attacked before the bell with a drop kick to the outside and then a suicide dive through the ropes. And I liked, um, Hangman Paige's shooting star shoulder tackle outside to Lethal. It was, it was really good and really athletic. Uh, this was more of a showcase for Hangman Page than Lethal. I'll say, but then again, you know, with the injury um, and of course the lethal injection for the win. Good on Jay Lethal. I like Jay Lethal. I like Hangman Page. And uh, yes, there are some big things for him in the future. We had our next U.S. title tournament match as we had Juice Robinson versus Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. counters the Pulp Friction from Juice Robinson into the octopus, octopus hole. Excuse me. Juice Robinson tries to struggle to get out to the ropes, but Saber Jr. just cranks on this octopus hole and Juice has to tap out. This was a very, very good match. A lot of people, a lot of people with influence in the wrestling business said this was probably their, you know, favorite match in night one, that they had a lot of respect for Juice Robinson and that they really, you know, Got an eyeful from, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. too with his style that they meshed really good. So um, as we've been saying on this podcast for, you know, the three months, four months that we've been doing it, Juice Robinson definitely has changed his whole career around. And I was proud of him. He, he showed good, you know, and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. just manipulating the hand and the arm and uh, that octopus hole looked ugly at the end. So kudos to both of those guys. They, they really put on a great match. I agree. And uh, those people were definitely right. It's, it was one of my favorites of night one. Um, Zack Sabre Jr.'s mean streak continues. I mean, stepping on Juice's hand, bending his elbow. I like when um, Juice did the reverse backstabber to him. Um, the double wrist lock to Juice. Man, did that look painful. I mean, when Zack Sabre Jr. did the arm breaker to the triangle choke to the other arm breaker, I just, I can't. I can't. Zack Sabre Jr., man, you are devastating. Absolutely devastating. Juice also did a, a great job in this match to just try to keep up, try to survive. Of course, he couldn't, but it was a good match. Very technical. 
from Zack Sabre Jr. Juice trying to go for his, you know, punching offense. But I like this match, and I agree with the influential people in the industry. Very, very good match. Yeah, you know, um, it was like I always say in New Japan, they kind of get these matches where the clash of styles come up. And this was a classic case of that where, you know, a lot of what Juice does is with that big left hand. And, you know, of course, Zack Sabre Jr. is just grinding on his hand. So his punches aren't as effective. So he has to have to kind of, you know, use his other hand. And then that isn't as effective. And then Juice, and then uh, Zack Sabre Jr. starts working on that arm. So it's just, you know, really thoughtful and, and just really good technical wrestling. Next up, David Finley, Jay White. Kushida and Tanahashi versus Shotanaka, Komatsu, Yoshitatsu, and Billy Gunn. Uh, before I start this review, the Tim Poor Boys, they're my faves. They're my original young boy faves, especially Kom- Kom- Komatsu. That's that's my guy. Like I know Shotanaka is like the better wrestler, but Komatsu has the entertainment, I think, and, and they go together really well. So, And I know that you're going to Call them the teriyaki boys, but <laughs> that was just a that was just a, a minor flub by by Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right, so Jay White hits Yuranagi on Yoshitatsu for a near fall. Jay White then hits Yoshitatsu with his flatliner, and Jay White, David Finley, Koshida, and Tanahashi get the win. Good stuff from Jay White. Another one of my um, young boy faves. He'd probably be like number three. Um, definitely showing um, his stuff in ROH, and I'm proud of him. So, you know, good showing for him. He had a really good weekend. I agree with you. Um, Jay White, um, big things are coming up for, for Jay White, and I do like the Tempora, not Teriyaki Boys. I also like the Tempora Boys in Shotsunaka and Komatsu. That's who I was really here for to see is those two. Um, overall, solid match for Jay White and the Tempora Boys. I really couldn't get into like anybody else in this match. The crowd, of course, wanted Tanahashi. This was more for Tanahashi and Billy Gunn for later on. Um, but oh, okay match, I'll say. Okay match. And good good for Jay White, I'll say. Right, right. Next up, the Gorillas of Destiny versus War Machine for the IWGP Tag Team Titles. Before the match, Roe gets on the mic and he says he wants tonight's match to be a no-disqualification match. So Roe sets up a table. Then War Machine hits the fallout on Tangaloa. He goes through the table, and War Machine get the win, and they regain the IWGP Tag Team Championships. I don't think either of us saw this coming in our preview. Nope. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm kind of shocked and amazed. Um, I actually put that out on Twitter, and Roe actually favored it. That I said I was amazed that there was a title change, and he put his little heart by it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But um, fantastic match. Um, the no disqualification element really let War Machines show um, a lot of their skills with their, you know, outside the ring offense as far as dives and jumping off of stuff. And, and you know, Hanson is just amazing <laughs> 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 to be so big and to be able to do some of the things that he does and not actually like squish people. And put them in the hospital. <laughs> no, Hanson is very athletic, and I think it's it's underrated his athleticism. People just look at him and just you know assume he's not athletic, that athletic because he's he's big, but he's pretty agile. The match itself, I was surprised by uh, the Grills of Destiny. I know these guys can be brutal, but I expected more speed from them. This was a rugged match. This was a rough match, and I liked it. 
We're talking about garbage can lids, actual garbage cans, tables. I like the freight train from Hanson. I'm starting to like that again. That DDT by Tama. Uh, Chase Owens, I, you know, miss me with him. But um, love the suicide dive by Hanson. And then Tonga going through the table at the end. Woo. I, I just like this. This was just rough and brutal and just another sampling of what New Japan can offer. Right. I thought the no disqualification element brought the kind of speed element that you're talking about. I think it kind of took that advantage away from Gorillas of Destiny because, you know, now you have all this other plunder and stuff that's like our obstacles now that War Machine could use to their advantage. And they definitely did a good job of it. So uh, good match for Rowan Hansen. And they are your, again, your IWGP Tag Team Champions. Congratulations. Next we, get our, we get our next U.S. title tournament match as we have Ishii versus Naito. Ishii hits Naito with two lariats, but Naito kicks out at two. Ishii then hits the brain buster, and to the shock of everyone in the crowd, Ishii gets the win and advances to the semifinals. Um, this was, you know, hard-hitting. Ishii has great chemistry with just about any of the big match guys in New Japan. And, I mean, they put on a show. Um, you know, Naito was definitely over with the crowd, came out in the suit, gave everybody what they wanted. Um, you know, the, the, the last three matches of this card are, are the best what New Japan has to offer. And this was the start of it. So kudos to these guys. And like I said, I was shocked that uh, Ishii actually won. You were shocked? I was not shocked. I was I shocked. Was, I was not shocked because um, Ishii... Ishii is very powerful. Ishii is not somebody to be taken lightly. And remember, he, um, you know, did a huge upset in the um, MJ Cup a couple of months ago against Kenny Omega. So it was, you know, I I wasn't surprised. I wasn't shocked um, that, you know, Ishii won that. Um, As far as the match goes, I I really like this match. Really, really, again, you know, start of the best of this night. Naito with his whirlwind offense. He did a beautiful German suplex into a bridge. Love that. And then it's the Frankensteiner. I like that as well. And then I think Ishii, Ishii like hit him with the headbutt in the mouth and his mouth started bleeding. And it was like profuse bleeding. I was like, wow. And then um, later on in the match, he actually spit in Ishii's face. So the blood was like on his face and on his shoulders, which added to the brutality of the match. Huge lyrics from Ishii and the headbutts. And then the brain buster. Woo. I loved it all. Yes, this was like, like I said, you know, New Japan kind of does this thing where they go from kind of lukewarm to warm to medium hot to hot to boiling. And that was definitely the start of the medium hot right here. So next we get Michael Elgin versus Kenny Omega, U.S. title tournament match, our final one of the night. Kenny hits the V-trigger, then follows that up with the one-winged angel and gets the win. So many near falls, so many V uh, V triggers, so many, uh, you know, kickouts by Mike Elgin and fighting off the one wing angel and the 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 razor's edge power bomb off the top rope to Kenny Omega that I thought had done him in. Um, I was watching this with my mom and she was like really into it. She was like, oh, my goodness, this is one heck of a match. I, I really enjoyed that. So this match got the. Mama De Laurente and Don De Laurente match of the night stamped <laughs> from us. So your thoughts, Moto? I mean, you you basically said it all. It was just hard hitting. 
just near fall after near fall. You're screaming. You you don't know who's going to get it at this point. And it was just great selling by Kenny Omega. I thought Kenny he almost, he almost died after that 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 crucifix powerbomb from the middle rope. I was like, oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe he kicked out after that. I was screaming at the TV. Just watch it, folks. It's a great, great match. One of the best of night one by far. Yeah, uh, definitely a match of the year candidate. I mean, it, it won't win, but it's definitely in the top 10 for this year, for sure. <laughs> we have our main event of night one, as we have the Rainmaker, Okada, versus the American Nightmare, Cody. Cody tries the one-winged angel, but Okada escapes and hits Okada and um, hits Cody with the German suplex. Okada then hits Cody with the jumping tombstone. Then Okada gives Cody the Rainmaker, and Okada gets the win. After the match, Kenny grabs the mic, and he cuts a promo about being jealous that he wasn't in tonight's main event. But Kenny says he won't steal Okada's moment because they still will face each other again in the G1. This was the best match Cody Rhodes has ever wrestled in his life. Correct. He took his time. He, you know, did kind of like a, the, the heel things in the beginning, going out there kissing Brandy. And when things got a little too hot for him, he'd roll out of the ring and kind of take his time. And, you know, but then when he opened up and put that calf crusher on Al-Qaeda, shit was on and they had a hell of a match. And I commend Cody Rhodes for stepping up because a lot of people were like, we don't know if he can hang with Okada because we've been so used to seeing WWE Cody and, you know, we don't really get a chance to see what he's doing on the indies. It's not in our eyesight as much and nobody's really seeking that out. So this was the big stage and, uh, you know, Cody stepped up. You know, nobody had any worries about what Okada was going to do. Um, his track record speaks for himself. So I, I will just say um, good job by Cody. And uh, Moto, I'll let you take it from here because I know you're going to talk about kind of the deeper interworkings of uh, Cody <laughs> and Kenny Omega. Well, of course. Um, on the wrestling aspect, of course, like you said, this was a great, great match. And this is what people needed to see from Cody. People needed to see this match that he could definitely hang. And Jared was right. We needed to see his evolution. This is not WWE Cody anymore. This is not Stardust you're seeing. This is Cody Rhodes, Bullet Club, American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, and he has established that now. And um, I'm, I'm very happy he he put in the work and he, he did it up. In terms of story, we're going to talk about Kenny Omega coming out with the towel. If you don't remember, Cody came out during um, Okada Omega 2 with the towel and tried to throw in the towel, and he was stopped by the Young Bucks and the rest of Bullet Club. Kenny did the same thing, came out, tried to throw throw in the towel. Brandy, um, Cody's wife, came in, and Kenny actually gave the towel to Brandy and begged her to throw it up as throw it in as well, and she, of course she didn't do it, but this distracted Cody. This distracted Cody. Now he's not even focused on the championship in front of him. He's focused on proving Kenny wrong. And that's where he made his mistakes. So he was so distracted. And of course, you know, you can't give Okada an opening. He gave Okada the opening that he needed. And there you have it. And now this, this fight is, is it's brewing between Kenny and Cody. It's going to come to a head sooner than later. But the match was, match was great. Absolutely great. Right, right. Just, a, a, you know, great night, night one. I, I, you know, they hit all the marks. I was hyping this up, like I said, to my mom. She's the person who got me into wrestling. So, 
I was like, this is a big deal. Um, and yeah, from the, you know, tag team match, those last four matches. Yeah. She was really into it. And, uh, we were really having a good time watching uh, new Japan. So, uh, night one was a success. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also a success. Amazon.com. Anytime you do any type of searching for anything on Amazon.com, you can find it there. So why not do that and also support one of your favorite podcasts at the same time? Go through the website, www.cspn.us, click on support, and then there you can click right into Amazon, do your shopping, as I'm still searching for the Bullet Club umbrella, still one of one, but when I do find it, I will buy it through Amazon.com, and it will then give some of the purchase back to the podcast to help keep us free each and every time we come out to do the podcast for all our great listeners and fans. So please, cspn.us and Amazon, do it today. Moto, we're going to move into night two. As we start with David Finley, the legend, Shushin Thunder Liger, and Kushida versus the Tempura Boys, Shotanaka, Komatsu, and Yoshitatsu. Finley puts Yoshitatsu in the stretch muffler. Liger puts Komatsu in a surfboard. Surfboard. And Kushida <laughs> puts Tanaka in the hoverboard lock, and they all tap out. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Good start. You know, fun match. Um, you know, everybody loves to see Liger, and everybody loves to see the surfboard. Surfboard. We love the surfboard. Um, yes, yeah, so it was. A, it was a fun, fun match. A good start. I think it was your um, your typical opener. Um, Yoshitatsu. I'm sorry, nobody. No, nobody was really here for Yoshitatsu, and I really can't blame them. But other than he that, was, he was Otis to the situation. Nobody came to see you, though. Oh wow. <laughs> Wow, that was uh yeah I wow I I'm speechless Don you I'm usually the you know what I'm just I'm just gonna keep it at that just keep it at that yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. so we have our first United States title semifinal match as we have Jay Lethal versus Kenny Omega after a doctor bomb to Jay Lethal that only gets a near fall Kenny hits Lethal with a V trigger then sets up Jay Lethal for the one winged angel. Lethal tries to counter the one-winged angel into a Hurricane Rana, but Kenny holds on. He powers Lethal back up and hits the one-winged angel, and he gets the win to advance to the finals. Ah. Very good match. Again, uh, Jay Lethal's ribs um, played a big factor. I'd like to see this match with Jay Lethal being 100%, where his ribs aren't, you know, going to, you know, probably have him at about 75% going into the match. Um like I put on Twitter, this is a dream match anywhere in the world, and and these guys really put on a show. Even with Jay Lethal having the bad ribs, it was still a hell of a match. It, it really set the tone for what this night was going to be as far as the United States title semifinals and final. I definitely agree on that. Jay Lethal did a really good job. I uh, really kind of dismissed Jay Lethal before, but I, I really have to give him his credit in this match. Kenny, um, as well saw a target. It was a big target and that was his ribs, Jay's ribs, and he went for it. Just move after move. Nothing was wasted. He he wanted to cripple Jay Lethal and he went for it, went for it, went for it. And Jay knew he had to be desperate at this point. He's not 100% healthy. He had to go for broke if he wanted to continue in the tournament. So he would, you know, try for the lethal injection a couple times. Still didn't work. It just wasn't enough to finish Kenny off. I mean, and Kenny, Kenny just does what he does, got the job done. And 
you know, it wasn't that Jay Lethal couldn't hang. It just that Jay Lethal wasn't healthy enough to, to do what he had to do. And that's the story that was told. I'm happy for Jay Lethal. He did a great job. Of course, I'm happy for Kenny, but I, I definitely had to give my credit, my, to my hat to Jay Lethal on this one. Right, right. The storytelling in this weekend was fantastic. All the, especially in night two, just the, the way these matches played out, um, just fantastic type of booking and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So we get our next uh, U.S. title semifinal, where we have Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. hits Ishii with the PK, but Ishii no-sells the PK. Ishii hits Zack with the lariat. Then Ishii follows up with the Brain Buster, and he gets the win and advances to face Kenny Omega in the finals for the IWGP United States title. Again, another match uh, with Zack Sabre Jr. were just a, a huge clash of styles, and Zack Sabre Jr. was in there trying to show that he could take the strong style, and Ishii was abiding him and lighting him and then Zack Sabre Jr. kind of smartened up and changed his tactics and kind of, you know, got into the match a little bit. But again, Ishii just too strong. The the lariats and the headbutts, uh, just too much. But great effort from Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, looking forward to seeing him in the G1. Agreed, agreed, and agreed. Um, basically, Ishii was a wall that, that, that Zack Sabre Jr. could not tackle. I mean, you had all these submission attempts just did not work he would just no sell them he just 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 was a wall for for him and Zack Sabre just could not conquer that wall even after changing tactics he went for strikes I mean I'm sorry you did I think that was a, just a huge tactical blunder in his part you don't you don't try to go blow for blow with Ishii you're gonna lose on that one nine times out of ten you know huge mistake and then you know Ishii with his lariats and his headbutts I mean this was, you had you had to give it to Ishii. Great match, though. Great storytelling, and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Of course, great job. Ishii is just somebody you just want to just root for, and I'm happy for him too. Yeah, he puts on fantastic matches, and he's tough as three day old leather. So um, Ishii and Kenny Omega in the finals. Mm-hmm. Next, we get Dragon Lee, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Teton, and Olador Jr. versus Lij Los Ingobernables. De Japon, Bushi, Evil, Takahashi, Sonata, and Naito. Jay White blocks Bushi's MX attempt, and Dragon Lee hits Bushi with a super kick, followed by a backstabber. Jay White then follows up with the Uranagi for a near fall. Jay White then gives Bushi his flatliner, and Jay White, Dragon Lee, Juice Robinson, Teton, and Volador Jr. get the win. Uh, like we said earlier, foreshadowing in night one, night two, Jay White follows up again, gets a pin for his team, and furthering his, um, you know, all eyes on him, opening up eyes for people who haven't had a chance to see him. Like, I really haven't. I don't follow ROH that closely, so I haven't really had the chance to see him during his excursion. So it's really cool to see him be able to show off his moveset and, and you know, show his advancement from his young boy days. I agree. And uh, it seems like his excursion really did him well. Um, I liked his work in this match as well. I liked, um, of course, Takahashi and Dragon Lee squaring off and and just battling each other. I just want these guys to feud forever, fight forever. Takahashi and Dragon Lee, they just they just go at it, and and I just liked it. Um, Jay White, he's he's gonna be something. I don't think he's gonna be you know a, a, a you know doing jobs forever. I look forward to seeing what what's gonna happen with him. Next up, Gorillas of Destiny and Hangman Page versus Michael Elgin and War Machine. 
Hangman Page hits Roe with a lariat. Then Hangman Page follows up with the rite of passage on Roe and the Girl is a Destiny and Hangman Page get the win. Um, again, another strong effort from Hangman Page, um, you know, showing everybody that, hey, he's not the weak link that everybody thinks he is. And he can really go. And uh, I'm proud for him. So good luck to him. And uh, hopefully he can sell a few more T-shirts uh, with these two victories this weekend. Um, I agree. Um, also, uh, a big note um, um, at the end, he Hangman Page actually grabbed War Machine's tag titles and said that those tag team titles will be mine. And I kind of was confused by that, but um, I guess that's his next goal. I wonder who he's going to pick to be his partner. That I'm not sure about, but that that just made me uh, raise my eyebrows a little. But hey, overall good match. Just a fun match. Kind of a hossy match. Good stuff. Right. We get the Young Bucks versus Rapungi Vice for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. Wait, wait a second. You forgot. It's Rapongi Nice, mm-hmm. Zumanji Feist, mm-hmm. Budzongi Lice, mm-hmm. aka Rapongi Vice. Rapongi. Mm-hmm. Rapongi. Right. The Young Bucks dedicate this one for Meltzer and hit Rocky Romero with the Meltzer driver. The Young Bucks apply the Scorpion Deathlock to both members of Rapongi Vice and Rocky taps out. The Young Bucks retain their IWGP Junior Tag Team titles. Uh, the dedication of the Meltzer driver to Dave Meltzer was because earlier uh, in the weekend, Dave Meltzer's father passed away. So, of course, if you know anything about the Young Bucks, that's their finishing move that basically sends everybody home. It's called the Meltzer driver. So that was pretty cool. They gave a big shout out to him. Uh, they did a ridiculous Centon. Indy Taker on the outside to poor Rocky Romero. I thought they killed him. But luckily, he, he showed more fighting spirit and was able to continue. Um, like I said, the Young Bucks, Rapungi Vice, they have tremendous chemistry. I could watch these guys wrestle every day of the week, and it, every match would be something different just because of how they get down. And it was great. Um, this was... Well, uh, 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 you, you just talk about the match. All right. Um, <clears throat> this was a great match. Um, of course, you know, the Young Bucks, I mean, they people people want to say that they just do spots well, and that's that. You're not paying attention. These guys do a lot. They tell their stories. They do it well. These guys are devastating, and they know how to put people away quickly. And they just, they did that. They would just go and go and go. Of course, they try to kill Beretta. I feel like people try to kill Beretta every match. They always do that, and, you know, poor Rocky. But um, I think this was a fun match uh, and a very powerful match. So good for them. Right. It was a good match. It definitely gave the guys and all those Bullet Club shirts definitely what they came to see this weekend was the Young Bucks do the Young Bucks type things. So during their celebration in the ring, the Young Bucks get hit from behind by a springboard dropkick from Ricochet. Ricochet then follows up with a huge dive on the Young Bucks to the outside. Uh, may I say that during this whole exchange, uh, Ricochet never loses his glasses or his hat. This man is so talented. Uh, Ricochet gets back in the ring, and he cuts a promo. He says that there is no way he can miss this show. Ricochet then says that he would have been here sooner, but a certain underground fighting promotion were being pricks. Ricochet <laughs> then issues a challenge to the Young Bucks for a title match against Taguchi and himself. Uh, you want to, you know, yeah. 
that just the awesomeness of Ricochet never losing his accessories, but doing I, like I, I, I did. I I was flabbergasted by that, and I actually tweeted him. I asked him, "But how how did your glasses stay on?" And he answered me and said, "Swag." <laughs> okay, King Ricochet. Um, I'm gonna have a talk with you when I see you in a week, sir. Yes, oh, I'm gonna have a talk with you. Yes, I'm gonna go see him. Oh, nice, cool. And uh, I, I'm not accepting that answer. And well, um, plug him know. into the show and so you can get him as a guest. I mean, you know, work your magic. Listen, it's one step at a time. I've got to one step at a time. So now swag gotta, is his answer. You, you got to like, but the door is open. You just got to brush in like cold wind and try to get everything you can. Oh, hi, King Ricochet. I'm Moto, uh, and I do theories on cast a strong style. Would you come on the show? Yes, give me five minutes. That's all we need. Five will turn into 15, and then we'll have the hottest rated podcast in the world. Okay, I'll do Ratings. it for you. Ratings, Moto. Ratings. <laughs> okay, after the challenge by Ricochet, Rocky Romero then grabs the mic. He gets on the mic, and he talks about the goals that Rapungi Vice set for themselves and the goals that they accomplished. Rocky says that since they lost their rematch, he thought it was time in his heart for Beretta to go out on his own. Rocky gives Beretta his blessing to be a heavyweight, and they have a big hug and a big embrace in the middle of the ring, and one thug tear fell down Moto's cheek. I know it did. I saw it, and I was like hundreds of miles away. I'm glad that they did it this way, because they had been teasing the Enzo and Cash version of this happening, where Beretta was going to take advantage of his size and and height and strength advantage and just demolish Rocky, because Rocky was on a losing streak for some time there. But I'm so happy that they did the kind of mutual parting of the ways and, you know, they can still be friends. And if, if Beretta needs a hand, Rocky can still help him out and vice versa. Um, I'm not over this. My gems. I told you you can't split and you just decide to do this on my birthday weekend. This is really just kind of unacceptable. You're not splitting. I don't believe it. Um, but, but, if, but if you are, you have brought so many nice moments, so many great moments in wrestling to the athleticism, to the charisma. I just thank you for your work. And I just, that's, that's all I have to say. It's not happening. That's it. Let's move yeah, on. It was, it was a very emotional, emotional moment in the building. And uh, definitely on the timeline too, because, you know, uh, Rapungi Vice have been putting it down for the past three years that we've been doing the WrestleCast. I first got my introduction to them uh, right after uh, Wrestle Kingdom nine so you know when um he was teaming with the russian dude and then he just stopped wrestling um kozlov and then he brought in trent beretta and then they kind of you know made up a punky vice and it was like oh i like this the song was off the chart of course the furs and all the entrance so that would definitely be missed definitely be missed and um you know thank you thank you guys yes so next we get the bullet club bad luck file cody the villain, Marty Skrull, the Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro, versus the Briscoes, Okada, and Will Ospreay. So a classic Bullet Club versus Chaos match. Will Ospreay goes for the Oscutter on Cody, but Cody counters it with the Disaster Kick. Cody hits the crossroads and gets the win for Bullet Club. It was, a, it was an okay match. You know, it was more of a kind of like a cool down match after, you know, all the events that just happened in the last match. But um, it was good. It was it was a very good, and um, you know the crowd was into it. Everyone seemed to have fun. And Osprey with 
with, I mean, I, I can't even, every single match, he just does, he just does something crazy, the Sasuke special, and, you know, scroll with, with his finger snapping and his whoop whoop, it just, it was, it was a nice game. You couldn't see my head shaking up and down talking about the shop, the Sasuke special. Oh my gosh, it's just so beautiful. That's why he's the aerial assassin. Correct. I like this one. So, um, for the only real clunker of the whole weekend, mm. uh, everybody knew kind of mm. what this was going to be, and mm. uh, it didn't disappoint, and that <laughs> is for all the wrong reasons. As we had the ace, Tanahashi versus Billy Gunn for the IWGP Intercontinental title. Tanahashi hits Billy Gunn with the sling blade, then Tanahashi follows up with the high fly flow, and he gets the win to retain the title. Uh, this match literally had a lot of grab ass in it, and uh, the people weren't really here to see that. They really wanted to see Tanahashi have like a real Tanahashi match, and they did not get that. Uh, God bless Billy Gunn, but um, yeah. He really wasn't the opponent we wanted to see. So those are my thoughts. Um, that was very kind of you. Uh, Billy Gunn is 53 years old, if you did not know. And it really showed. It really, truly showed. And, you know, sometimes you just have to know when is enough, when enough is enough. And while he looks, he looks in peak physical condition, it's not there. It's not there at 53. You can't do the same things you can do at 23. And I think Billy Gunn needs to, you know, reassess some things in his, in his mind. Um, as far as the match, it just a clunker, as you said, a lot of grab ass. And, you know, I mean, it was nice to see Tanahashi's booty. It was nice. It was a nice, nice, but uh, I, I didn't, I didn't watch the match for that, you know, and I don't know. I'll just say this, uh, the, 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 the crowd was not here for it. I was not here for it. And I will say maybe the reason why you have Billy Gunn versus Tanahashi, maybe Tanahashi's still healing up and maybe he just wanted to rest and have a lighter match. It just shouldn't have happened. It just not Billy Gunn. And thank goodness that's over. Right. Because then that leads us into the United States title tournament final. As we have Kenny Omega versus Ishii. Kenny hits Ishii with the Snapdragon suplex and the V-trigger, but only gets a one count. Kenny gives Ishii a reverse Hurricane Rana, and Ishii no-sells it. Kenny hits another V-trigger, followed by the one-winged angel, and finally gets the pin. And Kenny Omega is your first ever IWGP United States Champion. Yay! And that happened... Midnight on my birthday. Just saying. Yeah, Just saying. yeah. This was fantastic. Oh my gosh! Just so many spots, so many V triggers. It was like you were playing Street Fighter. Um, Ishi, uh, the lariats. Ishi uh, trying everything he can in his power not to get Snapdragon Suplex through a table. Even, even resorting to biting the top rope. Oh my gosh! Just, uh, oh my goodness. These two guys have had like two already matches that were really like four and a half star quality and they beat those in, in this match. This this was just fantastic. I this again, this this match was just amazing. Amazing match between these two titans of the sport. I mean it's really hard to pick a, a highlight because there were so many between the, the, the lariats, the headbutts, Kenny's knees, um 
of course, the, the big highlight was the table spot. You know, they're fighting um, on the outside of the rope. There's the table set up by the Young Bucks on the outside. And, you know, Kenny's setting up for the for the dragon suplex through the table. And they're fighting and they're fighting. And, and he gets, you know, Ishii's arm, both his arms. And he's so determined not to go through this table that he bites the rope, bites the rope. And you're just like, wow. Like, you're just rooting for, for both of them. Either of them are, you know are great choices for this. And finally he gets him through the table and everyone, the crowd just loses it. It was just, it was, it was great. It was just a, 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 a big pace, fast pace. I, I, I like this match a lot. And Kenny being the champion says a ton about what new Japan is planning to do with him. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Bullet Club. It was, it was a big night overall. I, I, I watched the match. I just liked it. Just like, yes, yes. It. It, it was a, a fantastic main event. Great way to cap off the wrestling portion of this uh, two nights in Long Beach. I mean, Kenny just, just put on a show. So afterwards, the celebration starts. It's a party, y'all. The Bullet Club comes down to celebrate. Cody comes down to the ring, and he snatches the newly won IWGP US title away from Kenny Omega. The tension between Omega and Cody is high. But then they eventually hug, and Cody puts the title on the waist of Omega. Omega then cuts a promo on the weekend of action that New Japan brought to the States, and he says next year that they will do it bigger and better. And I believe him. I believe him. Overall, this was a great, great showing from New Japan to America. It made headlines, and uh, you know, a- another big promotion that we're familiar with the United States was actually in Japan, but nobody cared. Everybody was talking about New Japan in America, and that's what they needed to do. I feel like it was a success. Um, you know, presentation, I mean. Yeah, get into that. I will. Okay, I'll get into it. Um, I'm going to say this. They need two different American announcers, two different English announcers. Point blank, period. JR, I'm sorry, he phoned it in. He phoned it in except for a couple of matches. He phoned it in. And I... I, maybe it's because you're on contract with WWE. Maybe maybe something else is going on, but I was really turned off by that. He just seemed out of touch. I mean, night one, it was all, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Like, what is this? You're supposed to be informed about what you're commentating on, and he just didn't seem to be informed. Like, he couldn't care less. Do some research. Yeah, I'm calling you out a bit. Do your research and get with it and make people excited. You know, Josh Barnett, he tried. I'll give it to him. But JR, mm-mm. They, they need to do something else. The opening video, I love the opening video. It really got me excited. And, uh, you know, there were some production flubs here or there, some sound things. I do still think that they should go to a different channel for their stuff, like Spike TV or, you know, something else. I'm, I'm thinking Spike TV for, for them. I did like Access. I did like them, but not a lot of people still get that channel. I think they they have the means and they can they really have the power to move to a bigger channel. I think they can do it if they play their cards right. But overall, it was a success. What did you feel about the presentation as far as the actual? They had the Japanese ring announcer there. They had you know not the streamers per se, but I mean everybody got their normal entrances, and I mean they really just kind of set. New Japan right down in the middle of As Long Beach. 
Yeah, and it was really good. As far as the television, um, I, I'm guessing that you've become a larger fan of Kevin Kelly and uh, Cyrus, Don Callis. Not really, uh, actually. They're announced team, uh, but, mm-hmm. I, but you feel like they bring more to the table as far as information, excitement, and general just intuitness wanting to be there than JR would have brought this time. 100%. I think um, Kevin Kelly, um, and them, they, they, I think they do a better job, and they seem more informed about the wrestlers, just overall the New Japan culture, you know? Mm-hmm. When when the ref wasn't counting, he's like, what's what's going on with the ref? He should be counting now, but he's not counting. Like, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. You know, it's it's stuff like that that's just kind of, uh, you know, and I just I just wasn't a fan of it, and I think JR really phoned it in because we've seen peak JR. We've heard peak JR. This was nowhere near peak JR. This was peak Jerry Lawler, and I was... I was not here for it. Um, I just I, th- for I think that's one of the reasons why WWE got Mauro Ronaldo is I think they understood that, you know, New Japan was going to start this access thing. And if you remember, Mauro Ronaldo and Josh Barnett were originally during the New Japan. So just imagine this a live event, first time in the United States, and that's Mauro Ronaldo calling that. How even more lit it would have been. But, you know, WWE is very smart and they're very strategic. And so that's one more little cog that they take away from New Japan that gives them one more hurdle to get over. But they're wrestling so great. As long as people see it, doesn't matter because I watch 90% of my New Japan with the Japanese commentary and it doesn't matter. Well, you can say that and I do the same. However, not everyone's going to do that. Not everyone's going to say, I'm just going to flip over to the Japanese because some people don't like that. So we'll get turned off. Right by that and some people and even if you put subtitles that's going to turn people off some people like i don't like reading you're going to need a good english commentating team jr is not it josh barnett needs somebody else who will bring that excitement maranalo um yes could bring the excitement absolutely but he's not the only announcer out there and there's certainly probably an upcomer that could probably do the job if done properly just saying Okay. So, you know, they understand, I guess, what type of infrastructure they're going to need next year to, to come and do this. And hopefully a lot of things that, you know, I mean, we're being, you know, critical of them. And this is their first time moving their whole, you know, production, you know, thousands and thousands of miles across water. <laughs> to, yeah, they did do it. They did do an amazing job. So, I mean, don't think that we're bashing on it. We thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it. I like the way that Access kind of handled it without um, interrupting the matches. All the matches got through and then they would show their commercial breaks and they did not show a lot of commercial breaks. They would just kind of maybe throw one commercial in and then we were right back into the setting. So, so that was good. It didn't give people a chance to, you know, get very far away from their TV. So I thought that was smart. I agree. All right. Before we go, of course, by the time we talk to you again, the G1 Climax, the tournament of all tournaments, will have begun. So we're going to give you a quick preview. We're going to run down the different blocks. We're going to run down some notable matches that could happen and one that's definitely going to happen. So in block A, we have the ace, Tanahashi. We have Makabe. We have Ishii. We have Goto. We have Yoshihashi and his wig. Bad Luck Fale, Yuji Nagata, Zack Sabre Jr., Kota Ibushi, and Naito. Very strong, very strong block A. Yes. Block B has Okada, mm. Yano, Kojima, Michael Elgin, Jose Robinson, <laughs> Tamatanga, Sanada, Evil, Minoru Suzuki, 
and the reigning, defending G1 Climax champion, Kenny Omega. Now, it has already been mapped out that on the final night of Block B competition, we will get Okada versus Kenny Omega 3. Woo! This will be a 30-minute time limit match on this tournament match. And this could really be f- to see who advances into the, you know, into the later rounds. You know, this could be like one of those, you know, whoever gets a point here could, you know, at the end when it's all said and done, this could be the one. So that's a definite match that's going to happen. The ultimate dream match that everybody wants to see happen is Kenny Omega, the winner of Block B in the finals versus his longtime friend, former tag team partner, the winner of Block A, Kota Ibushi. I, 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 please, I, I, please. I need somehow this to happen. Make it happen. Make it, it happen. To. It and for all the fans of the CWC who felt like they got robbed last year and did not get a final of Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi, this match will take place during the Block A competition of the G1 Climax 2017. So, I mean, those are two definite matches that are going to happen, that are going to have a lot of eyes on them, and they're going to be very fun to watch and very fun to review. I'm so excited to just... I, I can't even, there's so much going on on NG1 Climax. There's so many possibilities, and I am so excited for this. I, I can't wait to see this Kota Bushi versus Kenny Omega. It's, it's going to be great. Um, well, that's, that's, that's only if they both reach the finals. This is not set in stone. It, it needs to happen. It needs, it needs to, happen. to Yes, I agree. It needs to happen. But will it happen? Let's hope. Just to that's, let you know, um, also... July 16th and 17th, it's going to be Naito versus Kota Ibushi. Mm-hmm. Yes, first night, and that will be free. I think they're going to have that either on New Japan World for free and on YouTube, I think, as well. So, yeah, night one uh, will be free as Kota Ibushi will face Naito in the main event. Y'all, y'all have no excuses. Y'all need to watch that. And I think it's like Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr., too, if I'm not mistaken. It's like the semi-main on that one, I think. Yes, yeah, so very, very strong opening night of the G1 Climax. Uh, the G1 Climax starts on July 17th. It concludes on August the 13th. The winner of Block A will face the winner of Block B in the finals. If the IWGP champion does not win the tournament, the winner will receive a briefcase that holds the contract for a title match at the Tokyo Dome on January the 4th. So, Moto, before we let you go, and before we get into your possible rant, rave, or theory, who are you looking for as maybe a favorite in Black A and Black B and maybe a Dark Horse? Uh, oh, so Black A favorite, Black B favorite, and a Dark Dark Horse. Is that what you're saying? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So Black A favorite would be... Actually, go over them for me one more time for Black A. There's so many. I'll start at the bottom. Naito, Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., Yuji Nagata, Bad Luck Fale. Yoshihashi and his wig, Goto, Ishii, Makabe, and the ace, Tanahashi. Okay, so <clears throat> favorite is going to be Koda. Um, Tanahashi, actually, he's not, he's not going to win this. I think the dark horse is going to be Ishii again. And Naito, I'm favoring to go far. Okay. 
Bach B, you need those names again, or you already got who you I'm, I've, I've got them. Um, okay. Fave, of course, will be Kenny Omega. Um, Dark Horse is going to be Michael Elgin. And to win, yeah, I'm going to say Okada, unfortunately. Oh, interesting. Uh, for me, my favorite in Black A to me, would be uh, Naito because, you know, he got so close last year. He had that fantastic match in the semifinals against mm-hmm. Kenny. He was right there on the edge. My dark horse would be Zack Sabre Jr. or Block A. Uh, for Block B, my favorite is, of course, Kenny Omega. And my dark horse as well would be Michael Elgin ah. uh, in that block. And then I think that Kenny is going to double up and go back to back and be the first person in a long time to win it two years in a row. That would be amazing. Yes. I hope so. I really yes. hope so. Cause wrestle kingdom. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, um, Miyamoto will be back. We'll probably get back onto our, you know, every two week schedule um, to give you guys shows come out more regularly because we'll have more content to review. Um, so, Definitely check us out as we will be giving you all the in-depth analysis of this year's 2017 G1 Climax. So, Moto, this is the part of the show where if you have, if that theory you've been working on has been totally hashed out and you're ready to drop it on us, now's the time. If you have a rant or a rave. Um, hmm. I will say this. uh, there There are actually three theories that I'm working on. One about Ghetto. One about uh, Taguchi and one about Ricochet. And Ricochet himself will lend some information about that next week to me. But he doesn't know which one it is, and I'm not going to reveal it. So I will keep those on ice. Theories are not easy to develop. Um, I've been ranting a lot as of late, so I will say this. In all the mix of all this that's going on with New Japan and their expansion to the U.S., um, they have actually said that they are actually going to have a a dojo in California built by the end of 2018, which I'm very happy about. Other than that, there's one 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 person that's been getting kind of not talked about, and that's Katsuyori Shibata. Shibata has revealed to everyone that he has uh, a disease which um, limits his vision in both eyes. Sometimes when he wrestles, he squints because he has triple vision. Triple vision, not double, triple. And for someone to have such a, something so big that would hold a lot of people back, he has managed to rise to the occasion and give us some stellar matches over his career. Right now he's trying to heal, but the likelihood of his him returning to the ring is really unlikely. And if we have seen him do his final match, and that was the one against Okada, he... It's it's a match that is a great one to go out on, but it's unfortunate because he has so much potential in his career. And I want to say thank you for just overcoming everything. Thank you for showing us that people, no matter what's holding you back, you can rise, you can overcome. And I wish you the best in your healing. And if you come back, I hope you come back healthier and stronger than you've ever been. So thank you, Shibata. Yes, I definitely echo Moto's sentiments and thoughts because uh, Shibata was my guy 
well before I really got into Kenny Omega or anybody else. The first guy that kind of got my full New Japan attention was Shibata. Even before Nakamura or Tanahashi, I was like, I like this dude. I don't know what it is about him. Maybe just because he was just no nonsense. Didn't have a lot to him. Just black pants, black boots, and he just went in there and he just beat the crap out of people. And he took people's best shots to beat the crap out of them. And I, it really endeared me to him. And so, yeah, like you're saying, Moto, for him to more than likely go out on his shield as that was the last match in a five-star classic uh, that would probably be match of the year, any other year, but this one. Um, it definitely was a treat for the wrestling fans and uh, just hope that he can have a healthy way of life outside of the ring. You know, if this is the last time that he does get a chance to perform for all of his fans. And uh, so good luck outside of the ring to Shibata. I'd like to give a shout out just to everybody who was a part of the live tweet who uh, used the hashtag cast strong style over the two nights um, of this epic monumental um, happening. That was um, the G one in the USA. Um, you know, we're still growing here on cast strong style. So it was cool to see the, the hashtag uh, going out and being a part of the timeline and people chiming in and getting behind it and let them know that, yes, there is a voice, and a place to talk to new Japan for the diehards of of us out here who um, swear that this is the best wrestling that they watch consistently um, at all times. Um, even with some of the Americanized run-ins and kind of, you know, squarely bookings that they've kind of had here lately, it's still miles and miles uh, better than WWE's product on a consistent basis. And I'm glad that we get a chance to kind of promote it and spread the word and try to get people's eyes on it and whatever we can do to, you know, get New Japan and more people's uh, vision uh, and they're right in their eyesight, right in the dead in the middle and let them know that, hey, you know, there's something a little bit better and uh, it's just as fun and just as entertaining. Um, you know, I'm glad that we can do that. And I know that Moto feels the same and I'm glad that she's here to um, break all of this down with me. She's the best co-host ever. Aww, you're the best co-host, Don. You're the Aww. best. And so are our listeners. You guys are the best. We appreciate you. Right. Mutual love society here on Cast of Strong Style. This is the cancer season. <laughs> so, Moto, if you don't have any more shout outs or any more thank yous or anything like that. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm Don DeLorente, and of course, for my co host, Moto, this has been episode nine Cast of Strong Style. Thank you for listening. Strong style. Strong style.